Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. You are hearing this on Tuesday. We are recording this on Monday, the 27th of April. Uh, What's going on? I mean, earnings season is happening. So today, keep an eye out. We got some real interesting companies that might give us a clue as to what's going on in the economy. Alphabet, parent of Google, Starbucks, Caterpillar, big industrial company, right? Merck, Pfizer, uh, UPS. I got to think that they're kicking ass. Pepsi and Southwest Airlines. So that's a smattering of what's coming out today. And uh, we begin a two-day Federal Reserve meeting today. Obviously, I don't believe they will be cutting rates to below zero. So when they make that announcement on Wednesday, what we're going to be looking for is their assessment of how the economy is doing. Meanwhile, uh, I forgot to talk about this over the weekend because I had bookmarked it and thinking I would, but uh, the Congressional Budget Office released some of their economic forecasts. And uh, I don't know if you saw this, Mark. It looks like they're predicting that Q2 is going to be a drop of 40 for 0%. How about that on an annualized basis? CBO thinks the unemployment rate this second quarter and also into the third quarter will be 15% on average. Remember, we were 3.5% about two months ago. I'm not thinking they're seeing a V-shaped recovery. The unemployment rate, they believe, is only going to drop down to 9.5% by the end of 2021. Anyway, they also say, uh, obviously, the federal uh, government's spending a lot of money and the uh, budget deficit will be $3.7 trillion. That's uh, almost 18% of GDP this year, almost almost 10% of GDP in 2021. Uh, the previous high for annual deficits since World War II, 9.9% right after the Great Recession. Okay, we'll deal with that another time, I guess. Anyway, whew, it's bad. It's bad out there, gang. But not, I guess, in the markets because stocks seem to, at least investors, seem to be just ignoring all of this. So I don't know. I don't know how to say it. We, we, I said that I was going to stop talking about the stock market and trying to explain it because I don't have an explanation. Except, I guess, that investors believe that because the Fed will do anything and the federal government is going to spend lots of money that maybe companies will be okay or that stocks are going to be basically the only thing to invest in because it's, you know, Tina, there is no alternative. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Darren writes, thank you for your informative column. I have a question. I filed for unemployment and it says I will get be getting $275 per week. When will the CARE Act kick in for Florida and when will I get that extra $600? Does it start from just that moment or will I get back pay? Okay. There is a lot of confusion around this because that $600, it's not flowing to everybody. The states are having a really hard time managing that process. So um, I presume that Florida is one of those states because it seems like it's a little bit of a mess. I believe that it will not be $600 back pay. I think it'll just be an extended $600, but we'll see. I don't know how that's being handled. It should happen automatically, but each state is different. So what a drag. Um, Elida says that before the pandemic, they were prepping their house for sale. Should they continue? We're afraid if we wait, it could be years before we can proceed. I get, you know, look, it depends. It depends where you are. If you already bought a home, then you better put your home on the market. On the other hand, you know, look, there is a, an argument that is essentially 
it's a scary time, but interest rates have dropped and there had been a housing shortage. So maybe, maybe it's not as bad in your area as you might think. I think it's going to be not easy, but what are your options? What is out there? Okay. Anthony writes, I listen to your morning COVID podcast every morning and I love it. Keep going with these after the crisis. I'm trying, man. Okay. Question. I had a previous advisor that put my money in a fund that has been frozen for many years. It's called United Development Fund. Hmm. I'm going to Google that right now. Stand by. Oh, it's an investment in residential real estate. So I wonder if it's a REIT. Hmm. I don't know. looks like there is some, oh boy, there's a litigation going on with this thing. This is not good. All right. So let's find out what's happening. I think my advisor did not have my interest, didn't put my interest first when putting my money in it. Is there a website that lists complaints on financial advisors? Is there a government entity that I can make a formal complaint on this person to warn other investors? Well, first of all, here's the deal. We need to know who put you in this fund? Was it a salesperson or was it a an advisor who has a fiduciary duty? Because it may be that they don't actually have to put your interest first if they're just salesmen. I know that sounds awful, but it is the case. Um, next, where can you lodge a complaint formally? Well, you could lodge a complaint with FINRA, which is um, the self-regulatory body of those folks who sell stuff. If the person's a CFP, you can make a complaint to the CFP board. If the person is registered in a particular state, there's a state regulator as well. So we need a little more information on who the person is, and then maybe we can help you out. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Rosie says, she's also thankful for the daily podcast. She says, I'm learning so much. Is there a recommendation of what type of assets to put in a taxable brokerage account versus an IRA in order to be mindful of taxes? Should index funds with high dividends be put in a Roth? What type of bond funds for which type of taxable brokerage account or retirement account? Is there a difference between buying ETFs and index funds? I'm looking at funds with the equivalent of ETF and index fund. Here's the deal. The kind of investment that should go in a taxable brokerage account is the one that has the lowest turnover. For, so we're talking about a stock mutual fund. So an index fund is fine and an in index ETF is fine. It doesn't matter to me, either one. The So the reason is that if you have a managed fund that's in a taxable account, every time they buy and sell something inside the fund, it's going to create a tax liability. And then on top of that, if you are in the kind of investment that is distributing dividends, there are certain funds that are called dividend growth funds. Some value funds have big dividend distributions. You would want to put those in the retirement accounts. In terms of the bond funds, you know, there could be a case that if you're in a very high tax bracket, you might want a municipal bond that's inside of your taxable account. The kinds of funds that tend to drive more interest could go into a retirement account. And there are some people who actually do something kind of neat. It's a pain in the neck to manage, and it can be a little bit wacky when you look at it. I do know there are some people who put all their bonds in their retirement accounts and all their stock index funds in their brokerage accounts, and that's how they manage it. And it's it's very much managed with an eye towards tax efficiency. Nah, I don't know. I don't know if you need to go that far. In terms of an ETF versus an index fund, 
doesn't matter to me. You know, obviously, if you think that you're going to be reinvesting small dollars on an ongoing basis, use the index fund. But if it's a lump sum, doesn't really matter. This is from Mark, who said, I read your book about a month ago and I loved it. After finishing it, I started listening to your podcast every day and I appreciate the information and tips. It's been very helpful during these times. I have a question about the structure of my Roth IRA. I'm 30 years old and single. I have eight months of emergency reserves put aside. I max out my employer's 401k. It's a T row price target date fund, very low expense ratio, 0.4%. I contribute the annual maximum to a Roth IRA with my bank. My Roth is currently an actively managed mutual fund with a 1% expense ratio. Boo. I'm considering restructuring my Roth to something less expensive, like an index fund, hopefully around five basis points. But how do I go about doing so? Do I just need to transfer funds into one all-inclusive index fund that's diversified with a mix of stocks and bonds already, kind of like my 401k target? Should I purchase a separate stock index fund and a separate bond index fund within my Roth? How should I do that? Okay. So here's the deal. So you can have move this account anywhere you want. So you could go to a robo with your, which you're right, is um, a quarter of a percent. And you probably could even get some advice for that. An index fund would be cheaper. So that's for sure. So what could you do? You could go to any place that has index funds. What does that mean? Any place. When I say any place, gang, just here's how you can just suss it out. I mean, Vanguard. I mean, T. Rowe Price. I mean, Fidelity. I mean, TD Ameritrade, and I mean, Charles Schwab. Those are your big ones. They have cheap index funds. Each of them also has a target date fund if you're interested in that. I generally think that, you know, since the minimums are all pretty much gone and fees are so cheap, just take the amount you have, which sounds like 6000 or so, and Figure out what you want to do. Maybe it's half stocks, half bonds, or maybe it's because you're young, maybe it's 70% stock index, 30% bond index, and that's it. Call it a day. And I think that might you can choose a target date fund at any of these places, but maybe it's just better to have, it's, I mean, the absolute cheapest would be a couple of index funds. Uh, all right. Here is from Jeremy who says, I love the podcast. What are the pros and cons of using my company's HSA as a retirement tool instead of using it as a means to pay for medical expenses? Thanks, Jeremy. Jeremy, an HSA is an amazing form of saving for future healthcare needs. In other words, I don't know if you need to think of it as a retirement tool so much as it's a retirement health benefit tool because you can set aside the money pre-tax, right? When you take it out to pay for qualified, unreimbursed medical or health expenses, there's no tax due. And so chances are people who save this money are going to need this money because we know that I think on average, the um, of the retirees, this was a, an old fidelity study. I hope it's right still, but it's about that the average 65-year-old can expect about $250,000 of healthcare expenses before death. So I don't even think you need to think of it as a retirement tool, as a really tax-efficient way to save for healthcare, and you're going to need it. So I think well worth it for you to use it. One thing that is a little bit weird, the investments that are offered for HSAs, not great. It's not like Vanguard can let you put money away. So it is much more limited. So I would just be careful with that. 
Uh, Okay. So I think that's it. I hope that you continue to practice your social distancing, wash your hands, take a walk, lift somebody up today, please. That's going to be the motto. Lift somebody up today and make this a decent, doesn't have to be a great day. You can feel bad for yourself about whatever you feel bad about. Make it a decent day. If you've got a question, send us an email. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. Ask Jill at JillOnMoney.com. And guess what? Special guest star tomorrow. We have an interview with the person, the woman who runs the whole Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. When I was on television a couple of weeks ago, I made an offhand comment about how the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau had a really good tool for prioritizing your bills. And it was helpful for those folks who were laid off amid the virus. And I plugged this tool. It was just, it is good. They called me up and they said, thank you so much for for saying that. We really appreciate it. Is there anything we can do for you? I'm like, yeah, could you get the director? I would love to interview her for the podcast. They're like, okay. And it happened. Mark made it all happen. But anyway, stay tuned tomorrow. CFPB, head honchess. All right, right here on Jill on Money. Okay, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.